Today's reading is from Matthew 16, uh, verses 13 to 28. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea in Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do the people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed on the third day and be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory and with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Thank you, Dave, very much indeed. There are lots of different sermons that I would like to preach this morning because uh, that is such a rich and amazing passage. But uh, we are in a series where we're thinking of some of the big questions of hope. And one of those questions that we really need to consider is why there are those people who reject Christianity. And why is it? that there are those who actually do not believe. And you'll see how this links very closely to the passage that we heard and particularly to what Peter was saying to Jesus. A few weeks ago, the Barna Research Group released the results of a survey conducted in the UK last year of over 2,000 adults asking about their opinions of the Christian church. They were given some positive and some negative phrases and invited to respond to them. And here are some of the responses from those in the survey who are not themselves Christians. They were saying positively, the church is good for the community. Well, only 11% thought that. That it offers hope for the future. Only 5% thought that. That it is relevant for my life. 0%. That it promotes social issues. 9% that it is generous, 2%, and that it helps people meet their health or well-being needs, 8%. Not a particularly encouraging set of statistics. 
from those who were outside of the Christian community reflecting on the significance of the church today. And then negatively, that the church is internally focused. Only 5% thought that. That the church is not compatible with science. 30% thought that. That was one of our big questions a few weeks ago. That the church is too involved in political issues. 15% thought that. That the church is judgmental. 34%. The church is simplistic. 20%. And the church is hypocritical. 33%. So in all of those responses, and there were a few more, I've just given you most of them, not all of them. But it is quite clear that if we were to pick out the lowest and the highest statistics from those who are outside the Christian community, this particular survey suggests that we as the church are not generally known to be relevant, generous or hopeful but we are often known to be judgmental and hypocritical. That's sobering. Interestingly, the same survey was also asking about where people knew others as Christian friends. And where they knew other people as Christian friends, they were saying a lot more positive things about those people than they were saying about the church as a whole. They were responding by saying that they felt their Christian friends were friendly, were caring, were good people to know. Now our scripture reading today is the incident where Jesus went with his disciples to Caesarea Philippi and asked him the question, who do other people say that I am? What is the perception of Jesus from those who were outside of his followers? And the responses were quite positive, that some would say he was John the Baptist, some would say he was Elijah, some would say some, one of the prophets. Reasonable answers, but none of them correct. And then Jesus turned the same question on the disciples and said, who do you say that I am? And Peter answered strongly and firmly, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now this little conversation took place at Caesarea Philippi, which is at the base of Mount Hermon. If you're able to see this map, then it just sketches out that region at the time. Uh, some people get a little bit confused because there is a Caesarea that is by the coast, by the Mediterranean Sea, where uh, Peter went, where Paul went. Uh, it's a very exciting place to go. But Caesarea Philippi is a totally different location at the foot of Mount Hermon. And here at Caesarea Philippi, there were many different gods who were worshipped. It was the site of a Greek shrine to the Pan God, and the word Pan simply means many, many deities. It was the site where a temple had been built in honor of the Roman Emperor Caesar Augustus. It was a place where worship was given to deities other than Jesus himself. This is a picture of what you would see if you're able to go to Caesarea Philippi today. It's called Banyas in, uh, in the language of today's maps. Uh, quite a difficult place to get to, but not impossible. And uh, certainly I recall going there on one occasion. And uh, it's just a fascinating place to be, absolutely fascinating. And you can see in the picture there, in the center of the picture, there's a cave 
thought to be the dwelling place of the gods of Pan. It was in this setting that Jesus asked the question to Peter, who do other people say that I am? What do other people think about me? And then who do you say that I am? What do you think about me? And Peter responded in the way that we know. So what can we say about Peter's declaration in these moments at this particular place? I want to suggest two things. I want to suggest, first of all, that Peter's declaration was a minority voice in his time. And what we say about Jesus and about the church may indeed be a minority voice in our time. There they were standing where most people had other beliefs and where the disciples said that people also had other views about Jesus. Most people were not saying what Peter was saying that day. Not much has changed. Caesar of Philippi is very much like the modern world, where most people would have different beliefs or different worldviews, where only a few would speak of Jesus as Peter did. And so our question for this morning is why? Why do so many people not accept the Christian message? Well, if we opened up for discussion, I'm sure we could spend a long time and there would be many different answers as to why this is the case. And there are many different valid answers that could be said. Just in a few moments, let me touch on three possible answers that people might say. One, I think, is to do with ignorance. So many people do not know the true story. There is ignorance in our world about the gospel of Jesus Christ. On Thursday and Friday of this week, just gone, I was able to attend a short study program arranged by Fresh Streams, and it was held at St. Peter's Baptist Church in Worcester on the theme of the gospel. What is the gospel that we proclaim? It is the most fantastic news ever. It speaks about new life through believing in Jesus Christ. But it also speaks of the cosmic work which God is doing from creation right through to the return of Jesus and the recreation of a new heaven and a new earth. It speaks of the transformation of the society, recognizing how Jesus came along the alongside the marginalized, the broken, the poor, demonstrated in signs and wonders that God was at work in this world today. The gospel we know is dynamite. There are so many stories of how lives have been wonderfully changed, how communities have been transformed through the powerful work of Jesus. We were singing about it just now. That was a brilliant song before this sermon because it's brought us to us the breadth of what Jesus has done and what he has yet to do. And we kind of captured that, didn't we, as we were responding, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. But many people do not know the fullness of this gospel message. Do not see the impact of Christianity upon the whole world today. There is widespread ignorance. Now, some people might have heard a little. And that can sometimes be a problem because hearing a little can give a kind of inoculation where you think you know it. But actually, a little is not enough. Indeed, from the whole of our reading, 
Even Peter, who in these moments declared, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, didn't really get it all. Because it was only a few sentences further on where Jesus began to talk about his suffering and Peter said, Lord, you, this should never happen to you. And Jesus had to rebuke Peter at that moment and then lead the disciples to a fuller understanding of what it really means to follow Jesus. There is widespread ignorance in the world today. And it's a major factor as to why people reject Christianity because if you really listen to what God has done in this world and what he is doing through Jesus and what this amazing gospel really means for the whole world, there would not be that level of rejection. It is so exciting. It is so significant. But there is widespread ignorance. Other people will turn away from the Christian faith because of hypocrisy. The survey said that many people outside of the church think that the church and those within the church are hypocritical. What is a hypocrite? Well, it's a Greek word meaning an actor. Someone who acts out something which is not who they really are. A person who pretends to have virtues, beliefs, principles they do not actually possess. And the charge of hypocrisy is sometimes put against individuals whose behavior doesn't match to what they believe, sometimes against the church as a whole for failures on a national and international scale. And we do have to admit to failings of the past and the present time. A few years ago, the Baptist Union in this country issued an apology with regard to the ways in which it had treated issues of slavery in earlier generations. And since then, there have been very decisive steps towards recognizing the immense value of every person that God has created and ensuring that every culture represented in the beautiful kaleidoscope of 21st century Britain is welcomed, absorbed, and where the church is truly multicultural. We absorb the pain and the challenge to the kingdom of God when Christian leaders of great influence tragically fail and fall in the way that they live their lives, become drawn into some sort of immorality or corruption. It is interesting from the survey that so many people saw Christ hypocrisy in the church today. And we have to deal with that challenge. We have to recognize there are times when we have to put our hands up and admit to failure. But also to recognize that Christians are followers of Jesus Christ. And it is his life that really needs to come under the scrutiny. And we can honestly say that there was no hypocrisy with Jesus. There was nothing damaging in the way that he lived. Though much of it was so challenging to those of his time who felt threatened by his different way of life. But he lived with total integrity. He lived with divine authority. He lived with amazing spirituality. And we are followers of him. And yes, at times along the way, we might get it wrong. But he gets it right. And that is where our focus lies. 
There are others who may turn their back on the Christian faith because of personal experience. Something perhaps that's happened to them which has left them excluded or with negative attitudes. Interesting again that in the survey, the word judgmental was mentioned quite often. An adjective that's often used to describe the church. We're not known for our welcome and our generosity, but rather for our exclusion and judgment. Or maybe that some have been promised things which have not happened. Maybe a, an over-bold promise of a particular healing or deliverance or greater prosperity or change in life circumstances, as if God is there to wave a magic wand and make everything good. And that has not happened. But that, of course, is not the true gospel. God is there to draw us to Jesus Christ, and he is the suffering servant. And he has known pain as well as blessing. And sometimes people turn away because of their own experiences. So Peter's declaration was a minority voice in his time. And that is still true today. But if I were to stop there, then you could quite rightly go away feeling very depressed. But let me turn it round in just three minutes. Because Peter's declaration was also a magnificent voice in his time. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the fulfillment of all the law and the prophets anticipated. The Holy One, the Anointed One, the Savior of the world. So much gathered up in these amazing words. You are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. In a place where other gods were truly thought to be alive, Peter was quite clear that there was only one true living God the creator of heaven and earth, the sustainer of the universe and all that is within it. And Jesus is none other than his only son, the savior of the world. Never mind the emperor Augustus, never mind the gods of Pan. Jesus is the name we honor. Jesus is the one who is worthy of our worship and our praise. And on this Father's Day, God is the true father of us all. Jesus is his one and only Son. The Holy Spirit comes to us in great power. And we worship a truly amazing Lord. So it is important for us this morning to think not so much about those who will not accept the Christian way, but to live boldly and confidently as followers of Jesus Christ, to say with Peter, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Lord, you are wonderful. You are utterly true. You are our anchor. You are our rock. You are our vision. You are the Alpha and the Omega. And yes, it may be a minority voice in the world today, but Peter's declaration and ours is a magnificent voice in the world today. This is what the world needs to hear. 
This is what those who have turned their back upon Christianity, for whatever reason, needs to hear again. That God loves the world he has made. That Jesus died for every single person. That his spirit is here. And that we serve the one true living God.